C.S. Lewis wrote, There are only three alternatives. To be God, to be like God and share his goodness as a responding creature, or to be miserable. (laughs) Three alternatives. To be God, to be like God and share his goodness as a responding creature, or to be miserable. Now that sounds extreme. That's like, do we really think that every Christian is miserable? Well, maybe not yet. But every person without Jesus, it's a a misery to not be like him as a responding creature. Now, years ago, if if those are the only options, I told our worship team... uh, Several years ago at a practice, we used to, you know, before we would actually rehearse, we would pray together. And I had just been reading C.S. Lewis, and I read this, and I shared it with our worship team. And I said, if those are the only options, I think I'd like to be God. If there's only three alternatives, I think I'd like to be God. And we had a very quick-witted piano player who said, and then we'll all be miserable. (laughs) <laughs> That's, and some of you who know who that piano player was, she was known for her razor wit. And uh, she, yeah, she just could think of things like that anytime. But since option one isn't really an option for us, it's got to be number two or number three. And it's either be like God or be miserable. And since we're unlike God in so many ways, it's obvious that if we want number two, there's going to have to be some change in us, amen? Some changes will have to be made. We're not going to stay the way we are. God is perfect and unchanging, He's constant in all things and at all times. No shadow of change, James says. Uh, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's perfect so he can't change. He's not changing at all. In Malachi 3.6, God just says it very plainly. I, the Lord, do not change. In case there was any doubt... I, the Lord, do not change. That's it. But we, back to us, we must. If we're going to be with him, if we're going to be like him, it's going to require some change. In order to be like him, we have to change. And we have to. Now, I've said this before. I'm sure you've heard it. Pretend you haven't and laugh anyway. We all want to change. We just don't want to change. Right? We all want to change. We just don't want to have to make changes. Okay, God, if you can just do it. I'm just praying now, God. I want to be a mighty man of God. I want to be more like Paul the Apostle. I just don't want to have to pay any of the price Paul paid. I want you to do it for me. Just, yeah, yeah, give me patience and give it to me now. Right, right now. Okay. God, we all need change. We all need change. We have to change. We get to be like Jesus. We get to be like him. That's God's will for us to be like him. We can believe it and embrace that. But 
Why do I find myself so resistant to change? Am I the only one? No. I resist it. I'm resisting when God wants to change me sometimes because it involves some pain and some discomfort. And I don't, it's not just my will be done. It's God's will. Now, I want to read a passage. Uh, For a couple of weeks, we've been looking at the story of Martha and Mary entertaining Jesus in their home. And the contrast of Martha being anxious about all her preparations for Jesus, while Mary couldn't tear herself away from being near Jesus and listening to him. And Jesus justified her choice and said, there's only one necessary thing and there's no way I will take that from her. Luke chapter 10, 42. But I want to look at this passage now in 1 Timothy 4, 6 to 16. And I want you to read it along with me. We got that? Did I not? Oh, there we are. This is Paul writing to his young apprentice, Timothy, and pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. Sorry. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers." Prescribe and teach these things. Note that word, prescribe. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Amen. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Martha and Mary. Martha was anxious about a lot of things. Came and complained to Jesus. He said, Mary, who was seated at his feet, it says, listening to his word. Martha came and complained, and Jesus wasn't down on Martha for her serving, but he said, you're anxious about all this stuff. You're disturbed, was one of the words he used. He said, but really only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen that, and it won't be taken away from her. No, she's, she has prioritized being near me, and it, at this time, here's Jesus under their roof, she's come to receive from me. Nothing could tear her away. And I look and think, I want to be like Mary. 
I want to be like Martha in some other things. I want to serve well. I want to honor Jesus, with, which is what she was trying to do. She just got her priorities a little off for a little while. So she's doing that. And here's, here's us wanting to have that kind of close relationship with Jesus that Mary had. She's close to him. She wants to receive from him. She's worshiping him. She's devoted to him. I'm here just soaking up what I can what I can from Jesus, what I can see, what I can hear, what I can know about the kingdom of God and this man, the living, the, the incarnation of God, this living son of God right close. We'll have dinner later. If it, if it depends on me making it, it can wait. I don't want to, I can't tear myself away from this guy. I want to have that kind of a heart, amen? I want to be that kind of person. Jesus is moving. I want to be near him. I want to be near him. He's speaking. No, everything else should have to wait. My sister called me once on the phone, and I happened to be praying, and she said, oh, are you busy? And I, out of my mouth, I said, no, I was just praying. And then I thought, what a silly thing. And even my sister, who isn't a believer, she sort of laughed at it. It's like, no, I was just talking to the God of creation, the God of the universe. That's all. You know, it's like, that's all. I'm just putting them on hold for a second. No. Oh, so no, you weren't busy. Wait a minute. I was talking to God. Everything else should have to wait. Like Mary. I want that kind of spirit. I want what she's got. Okay? So, this passage in Timothy is a prescription for us pushing ourselves toward Jesus. Being like her. And pursuing closeness with him. Pursuing that kind of intimacy with him that she was enjoying. And Paul writes in verse 6, nourishing ourselves on the words of the faith. Feeding on it. Nourishing ourselves on it. And on the words of the faith. And on sound doctrine or sound teaching. Verse 7. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That is God-likeness. That's what that English word is godliness means godlikeness. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godlikeness. This is part of being a disciple, a, a disciplined devotee. That's, that's part of it, is this whole thing of dis- discipline yourself for the purpose. What a glorious purpose. To be like God. We're still now in the first month of the year, and I want to encourage you to pursue closeness with Jesus. It's the start of a new year. Has, has anyone here made any resolutions that you've already abandoned? Thank you. One person, was a couple, have already said they have. Yeah, that, and I think it's worth saying, okay, This year, I'd like to readjust some things. Reset, I want to do, you know, this. I want to accomplish that. I want to accomplish some things. This is a good time to do it. Priority one would be I want to get closer to Jesus. I want to be more like him. I want to know him. Today, I want to talk about, I want to encourage you to do that, and I want to prescribe the the word that Paul uses in verse 11. Here's our 2024 prescription. This is a prescription for health, for I want to prescribe 
healthy, godly routines, disciplines, and habits. It's like, (laughs) routine. We kind of recoil at that word routine or discipline or habits. Oh, habits, aren't they the enemy of the faith? No, absolutely not. Like everyone else, we love those glorious moments in life where something extraordinary happens. You know, everything just comes together and you can't wait to, you know, call somebody up. Well, sorry, nobody calls and texts somebody and tell them this is what happened or, you know, post it on Facebook or, no, I'm sorry, and that shows my age. Post it on on Instagram or Snapchat or one of those other things. Facebook, if you're over, I don't know, whatever age, um, we do that, but Something extraordinary happens, and you got to tell somebody, right? It's not as enjoyable if you don't get to tell somebody about it. Yeah, (laughs) Michael says, that's why I called you. It's like, oh, Michael's calling. Something happened, you know? It's like something good happened, or sometimes something bad happened, but something extraordinary. We love extraordinary moments, amen? Supernatural things. We had a a meeting in here one Friday night back in September, and I loved how God was moving. It was a prayer meeting, and just what God was doing, speaking through people, and we were praying for one another, and it was glorious, and I love those kind of glorious moments and those supernatural encounters with God where it seems like, like last, uh, I, I enjoyed worship tonight. Last Saturday night, I said when I got home, I was talking to uh, Nigel. I said, oh, how did you like worship? And I said, I was coming unglued. I was coming out of my skin. It was just, I don't know what it was, you know, that kind of thing, where sometimes, and sometimes not everybody gets it the same way. It's kind of subjective. And, but last week was just one of those really glorious times. I love those kind of moments. And when supernatural things happen, God give us more of them. Amen? Amen. But... That's not all that life is, is it? It's not just a series of mountain peak to mountain peak to mountain peak to mountain. No, it it really isn't. Yeah, well, I do wish. I really do. But I'm on when I'm on this peak and I see the next one. Guess what I see in between? (laughs) That's right. And I don't, I don't say that as, you know, in a fatalistic way that, oh, it's going to be awful and that. No, I, I don't really think that way. But I do know that there's going to be some kind of regular moments. Yeah. Like there's, there are extraordinary moments. There will be some hard moments. And there's going to be some kind of mundane things. Like you just do it. You just go along and you get some things done. And that's not, I hope that doesn't sound like a lack of faith. Um, At one point in my life, I probably would have said that that did sound like a lack of faith. But this group at, uh, sorry, this week at Life Group, we were looking as um, Taraz already mentioned, we were looking at Mark chapter 4 and we were uh, studying the parable um, not the parable of the sower where there's four different kinds of soil, but the parable that one of the ones that follows it where it says this guy sows seed in his field and then he goes to bed and he gets up he goes to bed and he gets up he only repeats it like that but he's saying he kind of goes on and on and the thing is is growing how he doesn't even know but something's taking place and 
for some of the time, it's imperceptible. He, he, the farmer doesn't even see it. And then, you know, it breaks ground, and you see that little shoot, whatever it might be. And he even explains the process. Jesus says, first, you know, the bud, then the ear, then the full kernel in the, in the head of the grain. You know, this, he, he sort of lays this out, but he's talking about a somewhat regular seemingly not so extraordinary pattern, especially from the standpoint of the farmer. He sowed the seed, he goes to bed, he gets up, goes to bed, gets up. He's just, it's kind of carrying on. And then there's a certain point where, oh, the time's arrived, take out the sickle and bring in the harvest. Now there's some action, but for a while, it's kind of like, let the field and the seed do what they're going to do. And that's sort of how parts of our lives are, right? Or am I the only one? You guys live in a, in a constant action movie where ninjas are attacking and, you know, there's stuff going on, tornadoes all the time and fireworks. No, there's some times of just kind of constancy. And sometimes, you, you know, you kind of see who you are in the times, you know, when you have a mountain top experience, man, it's kind of easy to strut around like, whoa, life is good, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll pray for you with this hand too, you know. No, and then you get the, the mundane and you see, nope, I'm still pressing on. I'm still pressing close to Jesus. I've had two weeks of my prayer time, you know, being kind of mm, so-so, but I got to get with him. I'm going close. I'm going after him. I'm, I, I, I know my, my time's coming. I, I'd, I'd hate to, you know, compare praying to rolling the dice at a gambling thing, but it's like, I'm going back. I'm rolling the dice again. This, I hope this one's better. I hope this time I have the, the supernatural encounter. I want it every time, but I don't really get it. Sometimes it's more routine. Routine isn't what's considered cool. Or, as they say now, sick. <laughs> or what was the thing I heard recently? Routine slaps. <laughs> Routine slaps, okay? Oh, man, I just, that just doesn't work. I feel so, you know. That's cringy, isn't it? Sorry, Dwayne. <laughs> okay. Routine I'm going back to cool. <laughs> Routine just just doesn't really it doesn't seem cool. It's like that guy is a real man of routine. I want to be just like him. No, we we see, oh this guy laid hands and somebody rose from the dead. Well, of course I do want that. But that's probably not all that person did who sees those kinds of signs and wonders. But when, okay, let the slap thing go. Let's come back. But when, when we hear an extraordinary musician, we know there have been many, many, many unextraordinary hours doing mundane things. Like you see the performance and it's like, wow, that person does what is so, what seems so uh, incredible, but that's because they took directed action and did something a little more believable and worked it, worked it, worked it, worked it, expanded it, worked it, worked it, worked it. I was at a, 
a guitar um, it was a conference and there was this guitar master class at one point from a guy from a band in England and this uh, he was just a member of this worship band he played lead guitar he said you know I, I practice things not till I've done it a few times he said because the worst he said when I'm playing live it won't be the very best I can do it. So he said, I have to play it till I'm, till this is just such routine for me that I could do this in my sleep. Because he said, when I'm playing live, I probably won't play it quite as well as I did when I was practicing and there was no distraction, no movement, no anything. And it's like, I've remembered that. So I'm in my office going over things sometimes and it's like playing that song again and I mean and we still you know I still make mistakes but this thing where get used to it so that it's like no this is just now routine I can sort of play this and eat a sandwich you know uh but this whole thing of routine the mundane the normal the everyday a bit of that no no not a bit of that Some of that, so that then when the extraordinary comes, we appreciate it, but also we're prepared for the extraordinary, and we know that, oh, we we celebrate those times when God shows up, or when He does something extraordinary, or some incredible answer to prayer comes through, because how many, like me, have times where you pray and pray and pray, and you don't just see it? right away and you know what you're in good company because there are people in the bible like that there's elijah praying okay he gets down puts his head between his knees it says and he's praying for the drought to come to an end he sends his servant go have a look and see what you see nothing does it again go look again keeps doing it keeps doing it finally i see a little cloud like a man's hand Get up, go, the rain is coming. It's like, what, that little thing? No, praying, he's not seeing the extraordinary right now. He's just seeing the day-to-day on and on and on, and he keeps going. And listen, David, I love these stories. First Chronicles 12, 2 and 8, it talks about David's mighty men. And it says of these guys, like, this is a, such a, that's such a manly chapter. I read that and, you know, want to be one of those guys. It says they had faces like lions. I don't know what that means, but they were fierce warriors. And I look at that and I think, oh man, these guys, they were killer. But it says they were trained for war. They could sling a stone with right hand or left. They could shoot a bow. Either way, they were skillful. Well, how did they get that way? Talent. Wrong. Yeah, training. They worked at it. They did something with it, some average things. You're shooting another arrow? Yes, I am. You know, I'm getting so good, you know, backward. I don't know if you can do that. But these guys, they're, they're doing these things. It's not just talent. It's effort. It's effort. It's the mundane. It's routine. It's repetitive action until it becomes something they're good at. Daniel. Daniel, these guys wanted to get rid of Daniel because he was... You know, in Babylon, he was the guy. This guy was just, they couldn't find anything to sort of knock this guy for. So the way they got him was, oh, king, let's sign this thing. Nobody can pray to anybody but you. And it says, 
Daniel was aware of it. He went back to his upper room in his place where a window was open toward the temple and he would pray three times a day. They knew they could find him there. He had a routine. I don't know that every time he prayed it was outstanding, but he had a routine and he followed that routine even in this case when he knew he was going to get in trouble for it if they found out. Anna, the lady in the temple, when they bring in Jesus, it says she had been married when she was young and had been widowed for decades, but she rarely left the temple. She was there continuously with prayers and fasting. This lady had a routine, and then one day she comes into the temple. I'm sure some of those days were routine. This time she comes in, and guess who? She comes in and the Savior is there as a baby. She gets to see him. She gets to see him at the same time that Simeon gets to see him and says, oh, now I can depart in peace. God's let me see the salvation of Israel. These people had routines. They had habits. They had disciplines. They did some of this. Verse 7 of our passage says, we're to discipline ourselves for the purpose of being like God. It's worth having a routine, even if it's not cool. Last of all, in terms of examples, Jesus himself, it says, would often slip away to a quiet, lonely place to pray. He had a routine. Jesus would do this commonly. They were used to him going off by himself to get alone and be with his Abba. We certainly don't want routine to replace relationship. Of course not. We don't want rote We don't want routine to replace relationship. But being disciples presupposes discipline. That's the same root word. Disciple, discipline. And discipline points to intentional effort. Intentional effort. And look at verses 11 to 16. I want you to see. He says, prescribe and teach these things. Then look at the words Paul uses. Here's what to prescribe and teach, he says to Timothy. In speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example. Then look how the next four verses uh, go. Give attention to reading. Don't neglect the spiritual gift in you. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. Pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Persevere in these things. Right? Give attention. Don't neglect. Take pains. Be absorbed. Pay close attention. Persevere. Persevere. Man, there's some extra effort here. He's not just saying, take it as it comes. Go with the flow. Nope. The flow is away from God. The flow of the world is away from God. He's saying, take pains. Be absorbed in this. Pay close attention. Persevere. These are words of effort, of strong effort. And all of these imply ongoing effort. Notice how they're worded. He says, give attention. Do not neglect. It's not, you shouldn't have. You gave attention. 
You should have paid close. No, it's, it's now. It's, it's updated. Pay close attention. Be absorbed. They're present tense. This is ongoing, ongoing effort. He's pushing us toward routine effort. Don't get disheartened by routine effort. Just know, let's just make peace with the fact that walking with Jesus is going to require some routine. And it's going to require effort. Lots of it. Amen? Tell the person next to you, effort is required. Effort. Routine effort. He says here, don't get disheartened because look how it ends. Verse 15 says, do this so that your progress may be evident. That your progress may be evident. He's saying, you do these things, you pay close attention, you persevere, you do these things, your progress, you're going forward. You're going forward. God will see to it that you're going forward. Ongoing effort means spiritual progress. Verse 16 ends with Paul encouraging his young apprentice saying, as you persevere in this, effort and discipline, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and those you're ministering to. Because he was a young pastor. Those who hear you. You will ensure. There, four times in the New Testament you see this uh, phrase, make every effort. In Hebrews 4.11, make every effort to enter God's Sabbath rest. In Luke 13, 24, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. 2 Peter 3, 14, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless. Make every effort. That doesn't sound like just a a casual attempt at the Christian life. Oh, I tried. I tried praying and nope. Well, I, I don't, maybe you did. Time to try again. Time to press in again. Time to go after him again. Time to make a routine of going after God. He won't leave you in a sort of dull, gray, routine state. Because God wants us to press in and be with him. And he wants to bless. But he's looking at some of this, some of this pressing in. Now we're... I want to wrap this up with an application to some specific areas of our relationship with Jesus and encourage everyone to make every effort to develop, or if this is the start, to begin and develop some health-giving, health-sustaining routines by God's grace. One, we've been talking about it since the start of the year, knowing God's Word. God's Word. Make a routine of God's Word. We've been emphasizing this, so I'm going to simply repeat Paul's exhortation to Timothy in verse 6 of this passage. He says, Constantly nourish yourself on the words of the faith and of sound teaching of the sound teaching you've been following. Constantly nourish yourself. Feed your inner self. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's spiritual food. Our inner 
being needs to be fed. And we need to feed her, him, on the words of life. They're going to give life again. Jesus called himself the bread of life. Let's feed on that bread. We need it. Our spirit needs it. Spiritual food for our spirit. So let me say one more time. It's been three weeks now. Read your Bible every day. Determine that you're going to get some Bible intake every day. Not just even reading, but read and think it over. Meditate on it. Get it in you. Maybe discuss it with somebody so that you're saying, hey, how about I got asked that at Life Group. Um, someone said to me, oh, someone else, two of us have been discussing this thing. And they're, it's like, great, great, do that, work it out. That's what happens at Life Group. We talk about the word and some things, it's like, oh, you know, no, you wonder about something, and mm, no, that that doesn't seem to quite be it. And you're wondering, and you're discussing, and you you come to a place of I I got a an insight when we were at Life Group just the other day, and at one point I tuned everybody out because I felt like God was showing me something in my own living room, and I was supposed to be leading the group, and I just kind of tuned out because I felt like oh I see something I didn't see before, and uh, that's. Make a a routine of Bible intake, reading it, uh, thinking it over, studying it, get it into you, praying it, and of course, doing it. Number two, prayer and worship. Uh, I I joined them together because I I can't really separate the two. They're, They're part of our vertical relationship with God. Prayer properly understood is an opportunity and a privilege. Amen? We get, again, going back to that thing with my sister, we get to have interaction with the living God. That's, that's not nothing. That's really something. That's an opportunity and a privilege. Mere humans approaching and fellowshipping with God. We get to pray, and it, it can be a delight, but it's also a discipline and requires effort. Why? Again, because we live in the gravitational pull of this fallen world, and I still have enough uh, of the sort of lingering effects of my own fallenness that I'm susceptible to this world, and I get pulled away. I want to pray. I think, oh man, I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I'm going to have time with God. I'm going to be intimate with God and get to know Him better. And then something happens and I'm being pulled away. There's a pull. And we have it all the time. So it has to be a discipline as well. I have times where prayer with God is such a delight. But then other times where it's like I'm struggling to find in myself the wherewithal to, to press through. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I got to get these things done, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I'm, I'm like, oh, I, I should stay in here and pray a little more, and I'll just pray in the car on my way there. And I'm not saying anything bad about that. I know people pray in the car, and we should be praying without ceasing, as the Bible talks about. But there's sometimes where it's like I, I want to pray, and I don't want other things coming in 
you know, distracting at all. I want to be with the Lord. So that's a good thing. So, but it's a challenge. It's a discipline. It requires discipline because this world pulls us away and we're susceptible to be pulled away. And there's an old hymn that said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. It's like I, I am prone to wander. Anybody else? Oh, I know you sinners heard like that. I know it. <laughs> Prayer requires regular, constant effort. Amen? Luke 18.1, Jesus was telling the disciples a parable, and I take comfort from this. It says, he was telling them a parable, get this, to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. At all times. Constantly they ought to pray And the fact that he was teaching this so they wouldn't lose heart should encourage us that the people who walked with him in the flesh still have that same tendency to to stray. They They have that same tendency to lose heart that we have. But don't, he says, don't lose heart. Pray at all times, constantly. Pray at all times. Develop a habit of prayer, a discipline of prayer. If you're going to be successful in doing so, I strongly suggest you set a time. I don't mean necessarily that it's got to be, you know, 7 a.m. or something like that, but maybe you say, I'm going to pray in the morning. Or maybe you're more of a person who can do that at night. Or somewhere. But I think, don't leave it up to, I'll see where it'll fit in in the day. Because you know and I know, it probably won't fit in in the day, right? All kinds of other things will come up. Now, listen. If you have a more sort of a random approach and it's working for you, don't let me get in the way. But for most... I would say probably saying, I'm going to pray in the morning or I'm going to pray at this time or I'm going to do this because, you know, this is where I have that time. I would suggest you set a time because good things happen when you make an appointment. When you need to go get your hair done, you make an appointment, right? Often you probably don't always just show up. Uh, You make an appointment and you go there so that they'll take care of you. You make an appointment with God and keep it, at least roughly. And maybe a place, too. Maybe there's a place that works for you. If there's a place where, boy, you go there and you feel like you can be yourself and there's not people looking over your shoulder, find that place. Find that place where you can open up and be real with God. Okay? Don't pray routine prayers, but pray routinely. Make it a routine to, to get in the place of prayer. Okay, now there are some others, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to cut them off here, and we're going to come back to it because I don't want to just go really quickly and uh, not cover these, but other places where a routine is helpful. You can see them up there on that incredible uh, crossword Uh, church, evangelism, serving, giving. We're going to touch on some of those in the days ahead. Father, I pray that you would 
give grace even now. We don't want routines that are just by our own willpower and self-discipline. We want routines in line with your grace. But we do want to grow, God. We do want to be disciplined. We do want healthy, good habits. Life-giving, life-sustaining routines. Not dead ones, God. We don't want empty habits or empty traditions or anything like that. But we want the habits and the patterns that will lead us to godliness, God. That's the purpose we desire. That's the purpose I desire for each one here. And of course, God, we could do all of these things, but if we haven't opened our lives to your son Jesus in the first place, we could do all of these things, do so much of it, and it would add up to nothing. So I want to give the opportunity tonight for anyone here who would like to, who needs at this time. Perhaps you hear all of this and you think, yeah, maybe it even sounds okay, but it sounds like a lot of things we do to get near to God. But in reality, God first has already come near to us through his son and made a way for us to approach him. He's come close. His son has gone to the cross to remove the barrier between him and us, our sin, so that we can come close, truly close, not just religiously close, but relationally close. But we have to respond first to Jesus in faith. And so tonight, for those in this room, if you are here and you think, I maybe did in the past or maybe never did, but I want to turn my life over to Christ and I want to be close to God and have a relationship with him as his son, as his daughter. I want to be near him. I need that. And I urge you tonight, you do need that the place that we are at home, the place we were made for is relationship with God. So tonight, respond to him in faith. What he did on the cross, that cleared the way for you to approach. And you start by saying, Lord, I acknowledge that I need a Savior. Thank you for being the Savior who would pay for my sin so I could approach God. I accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for me tonight so that my sins can be forgiven. If you understand that tonight and would like to do that and be included in the family of God, everyone's head is bowed, people are praying, everyone but me, I want you to just raise your hand for a second so that I know and I can talk with you afterward. If you want to give your heart to the Lord Jesus tonight in this place, go ahead and just raise your hand quickly for a second. 
And for any who are here tonight who would say, I want to get close to him. I, I am a believer, but I want the work of God in my life. I need the grace of God to establish those routines that will bring me close and keep me close and help me to grow as a follower of Christ. I want you to put your hand up for a second. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Father. Lord, would you give the grace that is required and needed to each one in this place. Again, God, going back to the account we were reading for a couple of weeks, we want to be like Mary who seated herself close to Jesus to hear him. I pray, Father God, for that, a grace in that regard on the entire church that we would be those kind of people throughout this year. I pray this week for help, God, by your grace, establishing and developing uh, some life-giving, life-sustaining routines. God, I pray for um, discouragement. We banish it. We, I pray for it to be um, sort of swept away from the people in this place that we would not be discouraged by small beginnings. God, where people begin with maybe just a chapter of the, their Bible, begin with just 15 minutes of, of prayer and getting to know you better. God, we pray for those small beginnings to flourish and to be like that seed sown in the ground that grows and flourishes and, and brings about a great harvest. We ask for it in Jesus' name. And I thank you for this time together, Father God. And ask that you would bring comfort, you'd bring hope, you'd stir faith in the people gathered in this room. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.